ponder a bit about the, the practice of mindfulness of breathing? Yes, please, yes. Because <coughs> it feels like when I do that practice, like very soon, a kind of sense of expansion starts happening. Yes. And a sense of calmness and receptivity. And then it's like I, I usually have like 20% of the attention at the breath. Mm-hmm. And the rest is more in expansiveness. Yes. Um, yep. And I did a retreat recently where the teachers were more kind of saying, that's wrong. Like you should just stay with the breath. Like 100% attention at the breath. Did they? And everything else is kind of a distraction. Well, initially I'm curious. You can if you wish. Names? <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, I'm sure some other people who have done retreats might be curious as well. You don't have to say, but names? Uh, it was at um, Panditarama. Panditarama. Yeah. Ah, yes. Viku Vivekananda. Was it or not? Uh, it was other one. What's her name? Bada. Bada Manika. Bada Manika, yeah. Mm. She, she said that it was only the breath oh, everything else was a distraction and mm. I, was, I was addicted to peace and joy that's a tough message um, one of the people who was here last year spent a month or two at the uh, Vipassana Centre was this in um, Numbini or in um, yeah. Myanmar? in Numbini this is the birthplace of the Buddha and it's of the tradition of Mahasi Sayadaw and quite strict focused tradition as you point out with that uh, expression of the confirmation and one of the good Dharma friends from here in speaking with um, Viva Kiland who sat retreats in lifetimes ago, decades ago and started to ask him, ask him some questions uh, there. And he looked at him and he said, are you a student of Christopher? <laughs> and sometimes when we listen to practitioners, you get a sense of yeah. who and what and where they've been sitting because of the... Uh, there. But more importantly, you have your experience focusing on the breath, there is some expansion uh, taking place and then, as it can happen there or here the teacher may put a specific emphasis so the teacher may describe the expansive as some kind of distraction the teacher may describe it even with happiness or joy or whatever as some addiction there also, all is possible. There, what was your response? You're engaged in the practice, you're listening to the teacher who's practiced that for many years. What was your response? To kind of to not report positive experience. Was <laughs> <Anyway>. it? <laughs> I love it. Keep that to myself. <laughs> I love it. So you could just go, go back and pour out the dukkha, the suffering, and the, yeah. and the teacher would be in bliss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. 
we, we, but, we yeah. you could send the teacher an email yeah for sure might be interested <laughs> to listen to this one but I, I was right. also a bit curious to try that approach because mm, I've never great. really done that no uh, alright so I really try to like treat everything as a distraction except the breath alright good spirit um, and I mean it's kind of nice mm. but it's also it's a lot of willpower and exactly. I feel it creates a lot of tension mm. Mm. Um, I, I agree so I think that, <coughs> pardon me, there is the healthy response, and as I've said here as well, listen to the teachings. It may not feel quite comfortable, like as you heard, but nevertheless, to explore that form of teaching, stay with the breath, do not distract yourself, keep totally with it, don't let the attention move out, in any way from it and just stay steady with it and there's merit to that I think it is something worth exploring uh, there there can be genuine real benefit to it then if one is beginning to pick up uh, uh, the willpower and some tension that willpower and tension will then enter into that concentration and that may produce some reaction later on. So when you began to experience the willpower and uh, some tension going with it, then what happened after that? I mean, at that point, I, I tried to just sit through everything. Yeah. <clears throat> so being with the breath became very difficult. Mm. Uh, it felt like the breath was very far away. Yes. Um, yes. And then I could spend maybe 45 minutes trying to find the breath again until yeah. I came back to it. And mm. then I would come back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, uh, to yeah, I think it's like one of the nice things is it's kind of nice to feel like, oh, actually, now I'm in control. Mm. <laughs> With a more expansive approach, it feels like that's not me meditating. No. That's me tuning into a natural process of meditation kind yes. of happening. Yes, um, and when that comes to an end, kind of when when that expansion starts yes. to, as it will fade. Yeah, fade away. I can't really do much. Like no, um, no. So so it's a bit that also with the the other. It feels like I'm in control there. Like yeah, I'm really doing. Right. <laughs> good. Good. It's re really uh, good. The uh, perceptions and insights coming over from you. So. It can be, it doesn't have to be. The fullness of focus on the object. The energy will, motivation is quite strong and therefore the self is in the picture, who is the controller. And the determination to stay concentrated on the breath gives the idea, I'm in control of this meditation because that's my object and I'm going to absolutely stay with it uh, there. But quietly, in the background, this pressure can start to uh, uh, arise. It is a non-self-teaching. It is not a self-teaching of reinforcing the self in the form of the controller. Have there been any periods here where you've experienced the breath, receptive to it, concentrated on it, 
no attention elsewhere without the controller, the willpower, or the pressure. Yeah. Say a little bit about that. I would say it's um, I would say moments where, where I've gone with the ex- expansion yeah. and then I feel it's starting to drift a little bit in thought yeah easy mm. and then there can just be like a natural kind of intention to go back to the breath yes right. so I just kind of go back and rest with the breath yeah and it's not a it's not a feeling of trying to focus on it it's mm. more like resting with the breath yeah um, good spirit Yes. And it's just a breast. And <coughs> to remember, the very small event, mindfulness of breathing, as the fact that it carries with it, in a way, our, the condition of our inner life, meaning when we focus on something in life which we have an interest in, is there a tendency to want to have control over? Is there a tendency to put pressure on ourselves? Can we stay quietly steady with what we have a connection with? Whatever the object, could be a person or thing, whatever <coughs> it might be. Can we be with it, calm and clear, with the absence of uh, pressure and stay quietly steady with it there. It's, uh, it's a skill but it's also a valuable uh, uh, practice and there is and I think perhaps what the, the good teacher is pointing uh, out there there is the possibility that the movement away from the breath is either for some people because it's too difficult so the expansive seems easier or because there is pressure and stress they think, ah, this is the alternative but it won't resolve the pressure and the stress which is building through uh, unskillful application on an object with concentration we we really have to really work with this most stress probably most stress um, is related to what we concentrate on, whether it's chosen or whether the circumstances end up forcing us to concentrate on something and creating stress. Outside of the expansive (coughs) awareness and uh, the concentrated form, anything else over the days standing out for you? I would say just a simplicity of the forms of, yes. of sitting, walking. Yes. Yeah, just being with the forms of um, of the life here in the retreat. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that too is really worthy of acknowledgement and if it sounds like appreciation. Um, What is it about the simplicity of the forms and of the day which has some appeal for us? What is it it about it? 
we, we can be quite used to sometimes very um, intense retreat. We can um, be in retreats which are very easy, light going, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes meditations and much, much, much easier day than the one here. Um, but it's really looking at what is simplicity? Something, <coughs> pardon me, rather deeply significant with it. Simplicity, in order that, and just to see what comes. Obviously, it's not a, an end in itself. It is a presentation of a form with a view to let the simplicity of it reveal something else. And that's uh, an important interest. Yeah, I think that was like what I appreciate with uh, it. It's, it feels like it reveals things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like the simple form just reveals kind of what's beneath it yeah. and around it. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes, <coughs> and people say to me, oh, I did this retreat with whoever, wherever. Um, it was so uh, intense. The word gets used quite a lot in our circles. The, for myself, um, intensity can be a kind of obstruction. Like I think you can actually get in the way. And I don't kind of see it as some virtue. There are other ways of approaching this existence without intensity. And it could be that sometimes we've been intense about other situations and then we kind of transfer the intensity into this environment. Simple, basic, receptive, absence of intensity. Uh, what can be revealed? Okay. Yeah, just Please. with the breathing again. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you think, can there be a value to just have the intention to, okay, I'm going to sit for 45 minutes and mm. just be with the breathing, and I'm not going to follow the expansion, I'm not going to follow the peace, I'm just going to, like, decide to stay. Yeah. To one 100% supportive. 100%. Now make it more. 110%. So, teachings about relationship to object that's one aspect of the teaching this is called the breath second aspect to it is as we've touched upon together is there a way 45 minutes to make the breath the primary object develop the concentration in which there is no willpower and no stress and that might take some practice to get to, to know that. And when that gets well established, we can apply that in other areas. And it will preserve, so to speak, that same receptivity and potential as with the expansion. The two are not absolutely different from each other. Particularly if there's the absence of intensity. Right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
so we'll have a, a quiet minute and then uh, another invitation. Um, so, just to re- reflect a little bit, <coughs> sometimes, as you asked, we look at past to present and we see that the aspects of the past, images, memories, stories, anguish, blame, whatever, and it really has some impact upon our present. And quite naturally enough, we don't want to experience that. Unpleasant, difficult uh, with it. And we hear environments like this, obviously, quite a lot around love, friendship, kindness, joy, happiness. And the wish is to go from there to there, humanly enough. Um, For certain certain situations. For certain situations. What kind, if you want to say, what kind of situations would be certain situations to go from there to there? And Um, maybe what kind wouldn't? Perhaps in, you know, relationships that you now can see are quite toxic Mm. or have been quite toxic. And it's almost like that vicious cycle. Um, And, you know... you do have, um, you know, genuine, loving, compassionate, empathetic um, relationships with other people in yes. your life, and the struggle for perhaps that one relationship, or yeah, you know, or that to yeah to get that to this point. Yeah, right, and yeah. transition. I get, yeah, yeah. appreciate. So it's a re- really good point, and something I'm sure many can share here. We can have. Healthy, supportive, friendly, trusting relationships with a variety of people. And the possibility, probability is, there may be a person or two who is really, really, really difficult. Toxic is the popular word these days. And, and it isn't easy to be around or with in communication. Sometimes, surprisingly, they are called our family or our loved ones. Slightly ironic. Talk about misuse of language. Uh, And so there's a trust in the friendship and the kindnesses. It's lovely and beautiful. And sometimes they really do last for years. People are really close to, can share and talk about and feel understood. It's beautiful. But the difficult uh, ones, they're hovering around like mosquitoes in the night they are. Uh, Mosquitoes is an English understatement, I should say. Um, Then, sometimes... The wanting is for her or him or them to change their behaviour, then I'll be okay. Good luck. <laughs> this is ambition gone crazy. Uh, uh, so sometimes we are asking the other to change what we can't. I can't change, so I can only have peace of mind or have love when you change then I can like you and then I can love you etc it's a common phenomenon so blame 
is the act of irresponsibility. The inability to take full responsibility. And sometimes, with every communication, whether it's the phone, the Skype, the email, or the door knock, or where, where, wherever, those times in front of the difficult one or group, those times, if we know them and we know they will say things which are hurtful and harmful, and then listen to a few of you who have been subjected to this um, uh, elsewhere in your life. We've got to go in because the quality of the mindfulness and the presence has, has got to be at its best. At its best. So rather than walk in to the house, if it's, let's say it's a family, or walk into the office, or walking when there's a difficult uh, person, we've got to go in steady, prepared, breathing in, breathing out, really present uh, there and walking because one sometimes has a prior knowledge this is going to be difficult. And the, if I can't handle the difficulty, I will be no different from the one who I am attacking. I'll get into the blame. I'll get into the fault finding. And the two persons become clones of each other. So it's not easy to stay calm, clear, using the voice without raising it, not interrupting the other, saying, Woof, I've got a real practice here today. And those situations, and afterwards, it's vital to reflect on the dynamic of it every time. It's not just as, enough to say, God, I'm glad I got out of that house, or out of that situation, or out of that office. One needs the power of reflection. Was I able to stay chilled out with this? Of course. What was said that really upset me? Mm-hmm. What got me agitated there? What did I cling on to uh, there? Did the voice show intolerance or impatience? Did I raise my voice? Did I um, just shut up, close down my feelings or whatever? So, our practice must go into the hot spots. Because if they don't, the hot spots will come to us. They're everywhere. All sorts of environments. And it's quite a, a, a practice. Say, okay, the difficult one is my practice. And I mention all of that. So, in terms of the transition you are talking about, the transition is going from anger to non-anger, mm-hmm. from blame to non-blame, to fear of, to not being afraid of. There, trust in that, and that which you spoke of, called love or compassion and heartfulness. Trust that that will come by itself. If we're going to speak of a path here, mm-hmm. because if one places, if you place 
an expectation on yourself. Oh, I'm angry, I should be loving. I'm afraid, I should be fearless, anxious. I should be really clear. If you, if you place that pressure, uh, that's going, uh, going to contribute to a lot of disappointment. So we're not asking ourselves to be really loving and really caring and really compassionate. It's too, too much to ask. You know, sometimes people say, gosh, I was really abused in my childhood. I mean, obviously, it's regularly enough. And that abuse can be in a variety of uh, ways, physical, emotional, sexual, and other uh, ways. Then the person says, oh, I should be forgiving. Mm. No, you shouldn't. This is uh, much too big a demand for a human being to place on herself or, or himself. Uh, there. And rather, with the situation as it is, rather than I should be forgiving, as one example, uh, there. can I look at this situation not in denial of the events, quite clear about it, find some steadiness and uh, equanimity with regard to it, and no pressure whatsoever to be forgiving. I think there are plenty of situations in life mm. which I think fall under the unforgivable. I really do. And, uh, and I don't like hearing human people putting a lot of pressure there. In the Dharma, Buddha, Dharma tradition, it's very hard to find the word forgiveness. It's not that kind of pressure. Mm. But we can end the, the painful histories. Of course we can. We can find an equanimity to be steady about it. So there is no denial about it. And there's no pressure on ourselves to have to love this person. Sometimes for some people it's too, too much to ask. Uh, one more curious Please? question. Yes, go on. Um, so I don't have any background in meditation before this retreat, no. as I told you. Yes, it's my first retreat. Um, and I was thinking that getting into the mind meditation mm. was going to be quite difficult for me because I actually suffer from quite severe anxiety. Yes. Um, and that's probably been the easiest for me. It's been... That's right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I go from the mind to the body quite quickly. And yes. there's been quite a few days where I've, I think I've let go of a lot of what felt like anger. Yes. Mm. Um, and, you know, some guilt. And what I feel like I'm left with is almost like, like a sadness mm. or like a fear. Yes. And now I find it really difficult to get through the mind meditation to get to the body. So the body still feels yeah. really tight in the mm. chest. Mm. But it's before I could... Yeah, like I feel like it was easier. But the last two seated meditations we've had, mm. I've really struggled to connect. Um, and I can find myself in avoidance yes. with it. Yeah. Um, and I 
I don't know how to move past that. No, all right, yeah, it's a good, good question. Others will share the same uh, experience and concerns. Um, I'm firstly interested. The thought arose before. Mm-hmm. I thought <coughs> bringing full attention to my mind, the state of mind, or the feeling, thoughts, experience. That would be the hardest, but it was not as difficult as you thought it would be. Any sense why it was not as difficult as you thought? I have no idea. I struggle to not stress. I struggle to relax. Yes. Some of my friends might be able to tell you. So for me, it it was a surprise for me that I could just concentrate on my breathing and actually move into the body yeah. and feel the body. Like that transition was yes. quite quick for me. Oh, good spirit. Um, I have no idea how or why. No. no. So there is some you know, receptivity which is uh, there. And then, as you mentioned with the questions yesterday evening and you responded with the pain in the chest, yeah. which is there. That pain nearly, nearly always is the state of mind, maybe fear, mm-hmm. contraction or pressure, and it's just it's got enough strength to it inwardly that it's kind of pressing on the cells of the chest, yeah. it, it's just pressing on them, mm-hmm. and that pain you're experiencing. Um, from the state of mind pushing onto this region here, uh, there. Yeah, the Buddha, just to quote the Buddha for a moment on this, he says, Meno sampasaja vedana. It is the feeling arising in the mind from the contact. So it's the mind. It's the mind which is the, in this case, not always, but in this case, which is the biggest contribution to the pain in the chest. The mind is pressing on it. Mm. Just pressing on it. Yeah. And that brings it. And it is a, a difficult one. And it is specifically with feelings, emotional world, um, one of the common places for it to land here. So one is aware of the feeling which is arising from the contact with the mind in which some opening up needs to occur because at the moment there's some pressure yeah. mm. that is uh, an exploration of, of, of itself so as mentioning to you uh, yesterday uh, evening you want to sit or walk whatever's appropriate in the chair on the floor and just really get familiar with this whole uh, region. At the lowest point, the outside place of it, the centre of where that contraction of pain is, moving the attention up through the body. Even if there's no sense of contraction sometimes, you're actually bringing the power of the mindfulness to that area to help expand and open it up. Okay. It, the intention is to start breaking it up. Yeah. That may release in the doing of that emotion, the tears, all of that, and um, 
bucket loads of tears shed on retreats in all sorts of ways normal life here and and then one needs perhaps to move or just to feel the emotions running through perhaps remembering this is impermanent it will pass and it will pass uh, there and saying this is a, a sensitive spot in the body and uh, being respectful of working with it good thank you thank you thank you Quiet minute together. With the uh, recording? Yes, please. Thank you. Um, it's quite strange to face so many people. <laughs> so um, the question is regarding facing so many people mm-hmm. who have um, immense uh, stage fear. Immense stage fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the infant of, um, I mean, that took me probably two years to come up here and mm. sit here. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> honestly, my heart is really raising. Uh, if it's any comfort, <laughs> one good karma student took 16 years. Right. <laughs> Did the re- annual retreat, the primary intention for the retreat was to get her backside off the cushion and up here. And after 16 years, she finally landed here. And afterwards she said to herself, what was all the fuss about? (laughs) Go on. (laughs) So, um, it's when I sit in the practice. Yes. So what really happens is like this immense amount of nervousness inside nervousness. me, mm. which is kind of, it's about to like burst out. Yes. So that's a thing which I have. Mm. I don't know for how long. Yeah. They may <laughs> say, Ashok, you're in a role as a yoga teacher where there is, yeah. <laughs> there is the act of speaking to the group. Uh, that makes me, that's very surprising in me. It's like, it really surprises me as well because when I teach I'm probably I don't know I teach normally around 40 
to 30 to 40 people. 30 to 40, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, my voice doesn't stutter. <laughs> Your voice uh, I'm in full control mm. for a two-hour session. Yes. But right now, I just can't even speak full line <laughs> in a full length. I mm. don't know what happens. So, um, in the dynamic, the question is, speaking in front of your yoga students, and it's a two-hour session, there's some, <coughs> pardon me, some sense of control, uh, you're the boss, you're in charge, you're the te uh, teacher, and in another situation, such as the current one, mm. it feels, as it is, a bit, a bit more vulnerable. Probably, yes, yeah. Yeah. So, where did the boldness come from? So instead of making it three years in a row, you uh, got off your good backside, you walked down here, and you said, I feel incredibly nervous in speaking in front of a, a group. So where did, what got you from over there to here? You could have stayed in the more comfortable zone. Maybe I just want to... Um, um, <coughs> it's, it's a very uneasy spot there. Um, just to be in that... Uh, I'm not sure how comfortable is that spot. Mm. It's more of a... I would say it's like a... Um, <laughs> it's almost like a cave and there. Yes. Just like not... I just don't want to get out and... Yeah. Being m more towards the rear... Yeah. Is it because it's more space, um, you're less visible, it feels more comfortable or secure, or it's just <coughs> how you landed <coughs> over there? What's the sense? Um, guess maybe it's uh, uh, being less visible. Less visible. Yeah, that makes a difference. Mm. Mm, nice. And uh, yeah, I think it's mm, yeah. So you you you've gone from being the less visible to the totally visible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She <laughs> said. It could be seen as a, a dualistic condition. A show there less visible, a show here completely visible. And the being here, as you point out, it can generate stage fright or fear or nervousness or feeling exposed and much, much. Uh, more there. In a non-dual teaching it would be to reduce the sense of difference between there and here. And that would be mm -hmm. a non-dual teaching. It would be a liberating teaching that sitting in one spot in the rear, in the last line over there and sitting up front what's the difference? What can contribute to the 
dissolving of the difference to the point there's no nervousness about sitting here what will contribute and you've got experience you see, you're not inexperienced you're a yoga teacher you're, you're familiar with faces looking at you and wanting to hear your good voice so it's not totally out to lunch for you what's going to dissolve the differences non-dual Advaita um, but I don't know like it's maybe it's right from the, my childhood I have mm. this you're talking to a Dharma teacher yeah. you're not talking to a psychologist <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to break out like I don't know many people <laughs> yeah. bring in the psychology <laughs> maybe it's from childhood yeah. frankly I couldn't care less if it's from lunch more, <laughs> more importantly yeah. what is can address this to give you my yeah. small mm-hmm. comfort in uh, England they did an opinion poll they asked, I think it was a thousand people one of these social surveys what is your biggest fear and the top of the list by an arm and a leg as we say in English the top of the list was public speaking the top and the second (coughs) was death (laughs) which means public speaking is worse than facing death (laughs) go on You made things much more easier for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can walk into the coffin easier. Yeah, yeah, walk into the coffin easier. Lovely, <laughs> oh lovely. Yeah, so what, what is it that we find ourselves in a position of nervous or shy or not feeling confident about speaking to human beings? Much like ourselves, we get up, we brush our teeth, we fart, we have a shit, we have some food. I mean, come on. And maybe the sense of uh, being getting judged. Mm. Okay, uh, it's a good point. It's a very, really, really, really good point. Step by step here. So there is the voice, <coughs> and the voice, directly or indirectly, is a little bit affected by the possibility that others may judge, may disapprove, may not like, may reject. Or, or whatever what's, what's one doing to give authority to the others that it has an impact on something valuable and important that you wish to share why, why do we give other people this uh, authority of course they may, they may judge why not human but why in that judgment that goes on <coughs> give it the authority that it affects our confidence it affects our vitality 
a voice. Well, people right now, they might be sitting here and they may think, oh my God, how long is there to go? These two guys, they're not stopping. It's half past eight, should have finished by now. (laughs) Who knows what's going on in their minds? They might be thinking, God, there's no wedding tonight. You should be in bed by now. (laughs) Who knows what's going on out there? Oh, they may just long lost interest and totally forgotten what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? I don't care. The trust is in the voice, not in the uncertainties of the judgmental mind of the other. But you're right, it does block, it does get in the way. So say a few, look out, say a few words to us. Anything you like to talk about. <laughs> 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 All right. Anything, anything you like. <laughs> look, at, look at his head. <laughs> come on, come on. All right, I really can't talk. I don't know what to talk. Really All right, talk about um, the benefits of yoga. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I really haven't taught yoga for the last year and a half now because I'm on a complete break. Because mm-hmm. um, I thought I need rest for myself. Yeah, fair enough. So um, that's it. That's, that's what I've been doing in the year, year and a half. Yeah. And h- how has your rest been expressing itself? What, what, what way have you been resting from the yoga? Um, It's really wonderful. It's it's um, a really it gives me a lot of time for myself to yeah. practice, mm. and uh, rather than being there for other people all the time and yeah, preserve and be there, so it has given me a lot of time to see into myself. Good bird. Can so, I ask um, a show? Any specific reasons why you decided to have a break from your yoga classes and have these few <coughs> months for more time with your own practice and yourself? What, 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 anything motivated that change for you? mainly I thought like um, I felt like in, in the way I've been practicing yoga mm-hmm. over the years I don't know how long and uh, it's um, I need to bring in a lot of kindness and uh, softness mm. towards the practice yes rather than <coughs> this, uh, uh, a strict regimented yoga practice yes. which I see across mm. And which I used to do as well, mm-hmm. and uh, and I guess it wasn't uh, serving anyone, yes. uh, even students or uh, myself. Yeah. So um, uh, so and so the last year of break, which mm-hmm. is kind of uh, very important for myself, and to bring in that softness, yes, so that beautiful. I can look into myself. Mm. And uh, bring softness towards myself mm. and, uh, and kindness. So, mm. 
that brings in the transformation. Mm. Very, and, very, yeah. uh, very so. touching and very beautiful. Um, <coughs> your good voice there is one which some of us hear quite uh, regularly. So it can be, as we have experienced in our own trainings, <coughs> um, the regimentation of the form, the strict form. And quite often, and I noticed in myself when I began the teaching, the wish as much as possible to, to stay true to the forms, <coughs> methods and te- techniques that one was given there and that may include in that certain strictness with the form certain kind of disciplines and uh, much much more but then gradually in exploring that and keeping an eye open on the experience of the students the practitioners and our own we can recognise um change needs to be made and that change sometimes exactly as others I hear to a certain kind of softening to bring in heartfulness more frequently there to make the mindfulnesses, the kindnesses the kindness and the postures <coughs> and the forms and the energies and to really have a fusion of heart and mind and people are appreciating that they're, they're, they're responding uh, to that and it's up to us who are in the privileged position to explore and offer that and sometimes as you point out one year may go by 18 months mm-hmm. uh, may go by and it really does sound both for you and for others a really important and precious step in the, in the right direction uh, and it could be that sometimes the strict disciplined form is also bringing a kind of holding here which creates an extra pressure which makes it a little bit more difficult to release the voice in a comfortable easy way and liberation is equally uh, the liberation of the voice. Let the voice flow easily and uh, freely <coughs> and the primary trust is with the voice, the freeing up of the voice. And so then when people do give us feedback there, whether it's in the form of um, appreciation blame, criticism or whatever because of the steadiness of the being and the voice we're really able to listen to it not take it so personally and from uh, from that the steps um, we we keep developing our practice uh, in terms of serving and offering things to others it really is a we're practitioners first and yoga teachers, dharma teachers, whatever, second. <coughs> and there are others in the hall who are in the similar kind of processes uh, as yourself with this. Sharing and finding skillful ways which the heart 
is more obvious as well. No? No, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. We just have a quiet minute, a couple of minutes of a short uh, reflection. Days, as we were listening earlier, this uh, <coughs> um, exploration of breath, expansive awareness, there are, of course, some subtle differences uh, between the two, but it's the underlying ground of the being, we might say, which is most important and meaning therefore that when you and I have matters to concentrate on can we just remember that the whole being is in focus and if we, if we neglect and we just get caught in the concentration itself that may develop this pressure and stress in a very small example good friend sitting at the computer is writing an essay no, a script a television script and this uh, script is on uh, why people take their life on suicide yeah. and she told me of one sad uh, incident of a doctor in um, San Francisco who walked to the San Francisco bridge one morning and as many have done over many decades jumped off the bridge and drowned and died what was left on her kitchen table was a simple message if anybody smiles between here and the bridge I won't jump off the bridge nobody smiled 
And sometimes with uh, heartfulness and life breathing in and breathing out and the expansive awareness which can manifest and show itself in many, many ways. And one, of course, is not just with the objects, as we've been talking here, but also with the people. It's an awareness which expands beyond the self. And the same person who was writing the script said to me, she got so involved in writing the script, she completely forgot that one leg was over the top of the other. Completely involved, completely concentrated on the writing, completely forgot. And suddenly incredible pain coming out there. She said it took her 20 minutes to half an hour to millimetre by millimetre move that leg stuck on top of the other one off. We can be so concentrated on one thing and quite blind to something else. These small things in life are a a good um, learning uh, lesson to us. So we have concentration just some regular checking in with a more expansive awareness even while sitting at the computer even while sitting on the cushion and meditating with the exploration as well this uh, world of the uh, the heart and sometimes the contractions of the pain which uh, 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 arises the presence of is difficult it can bring a lot of anguish sometimes we need the good uh, presence and sometimes the good hugs of others and I've had the thought once or twice to have on the retreat a hugger. <laughs> he or she can walk around on the retreat with a t-shirt. And the t-shirt would say something like, I am a human being who is ready to hug. <laughs> and so if at some point person needs a hug gets a, a lovely hug and I have a good friend Shai he's um, from uh, from Israel living in France if I was to immediately invite somebody and I uh, know else I think Shai he'd be a lovely hugger uh, yeah. and sometimes in life we need the hug and to need to be held and, and comforted uh, there and to find a um, person sometimes or <coughs> but me, a person or, t- or two and sometimes mustn't be shy with this just ask once on a uh, retreat <laughs> and these small incidents are a person came up to, uh, uh, to be uh, and said, oh Christopher, I need a hug. Would you give me a hug? It was at the end of the uh, retreat. I had the shawl wrapped around me. 
And I said, yeah, sure. Gave the person a hug. And a few minutes later, the person said to one of my co-teachers, I just had a hug from Christopher. He's unbelievably stiff. <laughs> it's a judgment, some feedback. <laughs> what the person did not know was under each arm I was holding two books. <laughs> I said to him, no, no need to give any explanation or any justification. So sometimes it's not easy hugging somebody if you've got two books <laughs> under your arm, I promise you. <laughs> so I say sometimes life and communication, sometimes the words are not enough and uh, an embrace, the hug is really precious and uh, really uh, uh, beautiful. To us also, as we were just listening to a few moments ago, our uh, finding our voice is, is an important one. And one of the many, many reasons for this is that um, sometimes some of the louder voices in this world have much too much influence much too much in many many circles the louder voices and these days with a kind of in our institutions often a fading of interest in truth and replacing it with any views and opinions to attract attention to be somebody and what often happens with this kind of aggression that the quiet ones will say, understandably, what's the point of speaking? We are not going to be listened to. The voices are too loud, they're too controlling, they're too dominant, they're too intolerant, or, or whatever. We must, must not go quietly into the night. We have to find our voice. If there are those things in life which are of value uh, to us, we might be put down for that. Perhaps you're a vegetarian, that you rely on a plant-based diet. And rather than just please the parent by eating what they want us to eat, a small example here, perhaps you love a modest lifestyle. Perhaps a career is not the most important thing in your life. It may not be important at all. And you may get views and opinions. Gosh, what are you doing with your life? You're not running after career and status, or uh, uh, you're not living in this another. You're not living in the real world. That's a popular one. Uh, there. And it takes some quiet steadiness to be steady uh, with these things and to keep the voice alive. To keep the voice alive if there's the opportunity to speak in front of a small group of people or a large group or with family members to keep that uh, voice of a, alive that there is there are ways of uh, living which does simply does not fit in with the demands of society of family and uh, others and we've got to 
that voice, to liberate that voice. And we might be laughed at, ridiculed, put down. Stay steady. Stay steady with it. Time now is five minutes to nine o'clock. Thank you very much for the contributions. And if the bell ringer would kindly ring the bell in uh, 15 minutes time at 10 past 9 and then we'll have our 15 minutes sitting together through till 9.30. Thank you, thank you.